Ephesians 2.10 says that we're God's workmanship, like we're his original masterpiece. Now, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just don't feel like a masterpiece, and I feel more like a kindergarten macaroni art project. But I want to be. And so I pray to God, and I say, God, do whatever it takes to make me into your original masterpiece. Remove the parts in my life that are not of you so you can make me into the image of your son and make me everything you created me to be, God, because that's what I truly want, God. I want you to make me into everything you created me to be. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. Okay. Then if you're God, make it snow in here. If I made it snow in here, it'd kind of get yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, I told you, you're not God. Why do you say that? Because you said yucky. God would never say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Then if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a short book. It's only five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay. Then if you're really God, who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so into playing games? Wow, you really are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. That's how I know you're God. I did? <laughs> I did, didn't I? See, all right. Here, I did it again. Okay, step right up. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, is, what, what is this about? These are the tools that I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh. Okay. Hey, hold on a second. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Oh. Well, well, before we get started, um, first of all, God, how do you know where to chisel and what to leave here? I'm going to take out all the things in your life that aren't in me, kind of like dead weight. Oh, sweet. Speaking of dead weight, I've got this extra weight right here that I'm starting to build up, and it's getting so, getting so big, I'm starting to look like Jeff. Um, and I've tried everything. I've tried dieting. I've tried exercising. I even tried Pilates, and man, that was awkward. But if you could chisel me, man. All right, are you going to keep talking or can I chisel? Which is it going to be? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel. No, 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 chisel, chisel. Most of my children like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chiseling. All right, here we go. You have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. You like to compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy. Mm. But you pretend you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Wait, wait, hold on, God. I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust? No, I don't have a problem with lust. I can do it whenever I want to. Okay. Ow, oh, God, 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 uh, ow, ow. Uh, I'm starting to think, God, uh, maybe we could take a time out or take a little break or... I don't know. I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing pretty good, but when you look into the mirror, what do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see me. Well, God, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when other people do see you through me, things get really uncomfortable. And even my friends at church are like, oh, Connor, you're holier than thou. And things just get super awkward, God. So you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God of your whole entire life. That's not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is what I meant. It's hard to talk to you sometimes, God, because you know everything I'm thinking. So I'm just thinking that you've done good work in my life already. So maybe we could take a time out and, you know, 
catch up later. What you're doing is a common thing. It's called controlling. You want to control the things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel, chisel. But can we chisel where I want you to chisel? That's called control. Oh. Been holding on to this one for a really long time. You ready for this? Uh, not really, no. Ow, 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 ow. God, it really, really hurts. Hurts me more than it hurts you. Hurts me more than it hurts, okay. God, I don't think you understand this kind of pain. No, no, no. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die for sin and for pain, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. You know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And there are things in your life, even back in high school, that you have been doing that do not work for you anymore. But you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're tired and lonely, but they do not work for you. I know, God. I know, I know. I was just thinking Your thoughts that, are not my thoughts. Okay, but maybe if we try this a different way, then... Your ways are not my ways. Look, God, I can't be good. You can't be good. I made you good. Be good. What? Never mind. You wouldn't understand. I, God of all universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. God... It's just that I've, I've let you down so much. You are never holding me up. I hold you in my victorious, righteous right hand. Don't forget that in this relationship, I hold you up. Mm. Okay, God, fine. Have your way with me. But one thing, just be prepared for who you're going to find in here when you're chiseling me. Because I know who's truly inside here. Because every morning when I wake up in the morning, I look in that mirror, all I see is a scared little child, just a little boy, who tries to act like an adult and who tries to dress like a man, but I just can't, God. So fine, sure, have your way with me and do what you want with me, God. Just be ready for who you're going to find in here, because I know who truly in, is inside here. <laughs> it's not pretty. You've been listening to far too many voices for far too long. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What do you think that says about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes. I was just saying, oh, yes, God, I'll do that right away. You were just taking my name in vain. I wasn't taking your name in vain. It's just a name or it's just a saying. Oh, it, it's, it's more than a name. It's more than a saying. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what it is? Yeah, it's a page from my old journal that I used to write in every day. How did you find this? Hello. Uh, Go ahead, read it. I love Allie Peterson. Other side. Uh, hey, I've married her. I was there. 
Uh, Dear God, today I'm turning myself all over to you. I'm giving up myself to you so that you can mold me and make me into the image of your son, your original masterpiece. Now, I don't see how that's possible, God, but I know that you're God and I know that you can do anything. And so have your way with me and remove all the parts in my life that aren't of you so that you can truly create me into be exactly what you created me to be. I love you, God. I love you too, Connor. I, leave, I love you too much to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work out every detail of your life and don't compare yourself to others because that's just trivial nonsense. You are one of my original masterpieces, one of my workmanships, and you I find favor. This, don't look at it as a prison. Look at it as a father disciplining his son for a father disciplines the one he loves. I know, God, and that's awesome, but it's just going to be so tough. Yes. Yeah, it is going to be tough, but you bought into the lie that when you said yes to me, it was going to be easy, and that's just not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and say, Connor is God's original masterpiece. Connor no, no, is... No, 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 Not the way you see yourself or the way you fear others see you, but how I see you. Connor is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are God's original masterpiece. As KJ said earlier, we just got back from YIM Tour, which stands for Youth and Ministry Tour. We took our took 33 of our teens up to the Panhandle of Texas, uh, down to the Paladura Canyon Basin to do a, a uh, eighth and ninth grade conference camp for the North Texas Conference. I think it's North Texas. I always get it messed up, but anyways, out in the Panhandle. Uh, we went Saturday, the kids arrived Monday, but we took our kids Saturday so that we could get them prepared and get them focused and, and all of that good stuff. So the first thing we did when we got there was we had the kids grab their Bibles and a water bottle, take off their watches, take off their cell phones, everything else, and we took them on what, what I call a wilderness fast, which is where we take them, we had these little markers like a utility easement marker or something like that. And we would stick them in the ground as we'd march through the wilderness. And every, every place I stuck a, a, a marker, one of our teens had to stay there. And they had to be within arm's length of that marker. And uh, I told them that I was going to take them out in the wilderness, take them, separate them where they were out of eye or earshot of anyone else, and leave them there for 90 minutes. And all they had was a Bible and a bottle of water. I told them that if Kyle and Carl and I would be walking up and down the trail to make sure that no, nothing drastic happened to them, uh, that if we saw them outside of arm's reach of that marker or if they were sleeping, we were going to fly them home that night. So needless to say, the look on their faces was one of sheer terror. Um, <laughs> Y'all aren't laughing because it'd be terrible for you too. Uh, most of us can't be quiet for seven minutes, but... So we sent them out there and we took them out and we spread them out and left them out there for 90 minutes. And all but one of our students, uh, when we went to go get them after 90 minutes, said, wow, that could not have been 90 minutes. 
We said, no, that was 90 minutes. Well, that just seemed like 15. And then we uh, took them back to the tabernacle, and we had a testimony time where just about every student shared how God had spoken to them as they were being still uh, in God's creation. And uh, that lasted about an hour or an hour and a half, and, and we went and ate supper, and, and uh, then we were, had some free time, and some of our teens were playing down by the volleyball court. And then the one student who uh, didn't say that it went by quickly heard our students playing volleyball, and she came out of the wilderness and said, is it over? <laughs> uh, we seemingly forgot Jordy, and Jordy had a four-hour-long wilderness fast. Uh, but it was good for her, too. She read Isaiah, Matthew, and Psalms and spent a lot of time with the Lord. In all seriousness, that really happened. But in all seriousness, uh, that's how we started off the week. And then when the campers arrived on Monday, we, we started with the theme created, which you see on the screen. And what we were going uh, for this week in our seminars, small groups, and in our nightly worship sessions was to help our students learn where they draw their identity from as men and women of Christ. So we, we started in Genesis chapter 1 and pretty much camped there all week. That was the, the foundation on which we built the topic. And in Genesis chapter 1, after God had created everything else, it says that God created a man and woman in his image. And he gave them charge over every living thing. And he ordered them to rule and subdue the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. And so we talked about what we were originally created for, which is to walk daily in the garden. We are created for an intimate relationship with Christ, with God. And God created us to walk in intimacy with him, to, to live in, in an everyday type of living, breathing relationship with God. One of the nights we, we talked about the intimacy between a man and a woman and, and, and talked about those things as they begin to date and begin to prepare and, and look for a spouse eventually one day. And we, we, we pulled what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 5 about how a man, or a man and a woman in a marriage represents our relationship with Christ as we are the bride of Christ. And so we talked about steps of intimacy between a man and a woman and how those are God created that to exemplify the relationship we are to be having with him as his bride. And all of us need to be walking in that intimacy daily in the garden with him. And then, and then he was, gave man charge to rule and subdue the earth and be fruitful and multiply. But something happened. Adam and Eve sinned. And, and because of that, the original intent for mankind was changed. And we find ourselves where we live today. And, uh, and we talked about how many of of the students there, and the reality of it is, is most of us in this room, even Christians, we live a life allowing things from our past and, and situations going on today and sin issues in our life and those things to create our identity. And the big challenge for our students this week was to learn rather than letting those things dictate who I am, to learn to find intimacy with God and allow him to define my identity and rather than those circumstances and sins and things from my past to dictate who I am or how I live my life, allowing God to define me and allowing him to dictate how I respond to those sins or circumstances or things from my past. Paul later on goes on and he talks about how when we pray to receive Christ, it's more than just a, a mental belief that Jesus is the Son of God. As the church uh, in the United States particularly, we've really watered down the gospel message, and we say if you just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you will be saved. Well, the Bible says that even demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God and tremble at his name. 
Paul goes farther than that. He says you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you need to confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And that is what, what brings us to salvation. And Paul goes on and he talks about that and he says when we do that, when we ask Christ to be Lord of our life, that the old is gone and we are a new creation. Let that just sink in for a moment. How many of you, when you got saved, still saw yourself as a shell of the former person prior to Christ? And our perspective is that Christ, when we ask him to save us, Christ comes in and begins to fix all of our junk. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Paul says that when the moment we get saved, we are a new creation. The old is gone. Many of us still today as Christians live with our past haunting us, dictating our identity and who we are. The reality of it is, is that if you're saved in this room today, God made you a new creation. He made you good. And you don't have to let things from your past or circumstances in your life or sin issues in your life dictate who you are or how you live your life because you're a new creation. A new creation created to what? Well, he made you a new creation to live out the life he intended for us to live in the garden. For us to walk in intimacy daily with our Father, our God. To, to be in communication with him. To be enjoying him. To be romancing him and allowing him to romance us. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit inside of us rules and subdues the earth through us. And multiplies us in the earth. Uh, two weeks before we went on camp, our house flooded. Our washing machine, something broke inside of it. And we were out of the house, and, uh, and it just kept filling up and filling up until it flooded several hundred gallons into the house. And the builder of our house put the, wash, the utility stuff upstairs, so the whole first floor, with exception of the kitchen, was flooded. We came home, and it was raining through the sheetrock ceiling. Uh, so they came and they spent a whole week drying out the house and they removed several of the walls and the ceilings and all the flooring. And, and in that midst of that, uh, our washing machine was broke, so all our clothes that got wet were mildewing and stinking and rotting. And so fortunately, Laura and Shirley and Susan Burchett were kind enough to come and get our clothes and wash our clothes so we'd have clothes for camp. Thank God for brothers and sisters in Christ, the church being the church. Yeah. So they came and they washed our clothes, which can be an incredibly humbling thing, but thank God for them. So we had clothes for camp. We went to camp and had a wonderful time. Saturday we were coming home with my family, and, uh, and the air conditioner in our van broke. So we were pulling out of my brother-in-law's driveway, and the air conditioner was blowing hot air, not just ambient temperature air, but hot air. And so it was already 96 degrees, so add hot air blowing into a car. It's just not good into a minivan. So I would have just roughed it, rolled down the windows, but I had my three little boys, and I was worried that they were going to get sick or worse in the car. So we waited last night until the sun went down in Lubbock, and then we drove home. So we got home about 1 o'clock in the morning last night, walked into the house, and uh, our ceiling was raining in the kitchen. The one room that didn't get flooded. Turns out our AC broke, and now uh, the, the ceiling in the kitchen has fallen in, and it was full of water. Um, and so you have a choice. What do I do? Do I call Richard and tell him he has to come out of vacation early, and he's going to have to come up with a sermon? I tried, but he said no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No. 
what can you do? I mean, you, you know how the saying goes, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, right. What are you going to do when you're facing trials and tribulations like that? You allow them to dictate who you are and how you react, or you allow God to dictate how you're going to react to that given circumstance. And that's our choice. Do we respond in a positive way or do we respond in a negative way to what comes our way?